you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Brandon Elliott to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is your host and uh, super excited today. We have the pleasure and the privilege to interview Dan Zidofsky. And um, I was was scared I was going to butcher the last name for a second. (laughs) I've been called so many things before. I'm just, I always sit back and I listen and I just, part of my entertainment is seeing how people pronounce it, but that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. So, um, so super excited today. I mean, you've been in the game for what, 27 years? Yes. 27. I just aged myself. Yeah. <laughs> but all the knowledge experience and, you know, trials and errors that go along with that are unbelievable. So, um, just to read off a, a couple right here. So you've done over 800 fix and flips. You've done over 650 rentals. 800 multifamily and over a thousand non-performing notes. Right. And when you say 800 multifamily, it's 800 doors. So I don't 800 know. doors, 800 okay. buildings. I mean, I okay. Would, you wouldn't find me right now. I'd be in like the Caribbean somewhere. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So let me just ask like, how the hell did you do that? Um, one door at a time. I was one door at a time. But um, no, it's a great question um, because, and, and I want to bring it back to, you know, to the beginning. And in the beginning, you got to look at people. And, and, and what I try to do is when I speak at events, and I speak a lot, you know, internationally now at different events and people always, you know, get that, Hey, um, I'm the guy driving the big, the beautiful car. I'm the guy with the watches. I'm, you know, I'm a watch guy. I'm a guy with the houses, um, boats. And I want people to bring it back and understand that, you know, it's not, you don't have to try to compete with me. You don't have to try to compare yourself to us. You just have to start with one door. Um, I had a grandfather who came here, a good story, and was written up in a magazine back years ago when I spoke at entrepreneur.com. And a magazine came and interviewed us down in California, Manhattan Beach. And one of the questions they asked me is that they said, you know, how'd you get started the same way? And I told them a story about how my, you know, I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I was born, it was a rough upbringing. I mean, the story goes on and on. And I don't want to, you know, go through our whole life story. But what's really important is that it was instilled into me early on that, you know, go, go out and save money. So not my parents, but my grandfather came over from Europe and basically begged, borrowed, and steal just to get over here and get his family here and work his work as hard as he could to the bone. But he took money and started putting it into the real estate. I watched him do that. He didn't give me anything, but I watched him do that. And during every year during my birthday and during the holidays, he would take my money, go like that, give me the money, and he would, you know, get $50. He'd give me here his $3, go buy yourself some candies, get some ice cream. And by the time I turned 18, I was able to buy my first condo. And the story goes on from there that I was in the military. I was making more money owning my rental income from my condo than I was getting from being an E1 in the Navy, you know, making like $248 every two weeks, but I was making over $600 rent in my condo, positive cash flow. Yeah. And I would come home and I couldn't spend my money fast enough because I was underage. I couldn't go out to the bars. I couldn't go party. So what I became is I learned real quick at that point too hey, I could start lending my money out to these guys in the Navy because they ran out of money. They got paid on a Friday. And by Saturday, they were eating you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because they spent all their money. And I had all these checks and I started 
you know, lending out my money at that point. So I learned real early on that, hey, the real estate game is cool, but I eventually want to become a bank. And, and I, my, I was mission orientated to that. I never overspent. And I, what I use is my equity in my houses, but I was very conservative. I would use my equity to build up that portfolio. And I would say in the beginning, it's great to use the equity to build up your portfolio to create wealth and velocity of money. But you got to be careful. A lot of people got in trouble in the late 2000s, you know, 2000, you know, the 8 to 12 uh, yeah. destruction because they were using their money to go out and buy those boats, watch cars, houses, and they weren't doing, you know, they weren't being um, a servant to that money. And I was always, I always remembered that years ago that you got to be very careful and conservative, but you need to grow. So, uh, I, and the, the way you do this business is when you start doing that, you have to learn how to be a servant to people's money. You have to learn how to work with investors and you have to learn to take care of their money better than you take care of your own. And if you do that, Money, and, and I know everyone has heard this, find a deal, money's there. It's true, but money will come and go very quick. You can earn a really re bad reputation very quick. Um, so what we do is we teach people. One of our biggest trains we've ever done, we've ever done, most successful we've done, is not only our full business package on how we built and create wealth passively for our lifestyle, but also how do you raise a million dollars or more in 90 days or less? And really 90 days is a long time. If you do what I say, um, you can look at some of the testimonials. We've had people in two weeks raise over a million dollars. It's it's a system that you have to do. And once you have believability by your investors, um, it's just going out and hustling and finding the deals you need to find and presenting them the right way and protecting your investors to build one house at a time, one door at a time, one note at a time, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, so... So as you started saving up money and uh, started lending out some of your money, you just got the idea of obviously this makes more sense than going the traditional route um, in, you know, the the military and and uh, and going that route. So it just made more sense to actually become you know a landlord or jump into real estate and help out other people over time. Right, um, and we did. I did a lot of fix and flips, but the problem with fix and flips, I did those and I was doing thirty to forty. You know, for 30 to 40 of those every single year mm. for a good eight, nine years, nonstop. I mean, I was, yeah. I was just telling myself it was more than a full-time job. I was working over a hundred hours a week. I was miserable. I was stressed. It's making a lot of money. I was making seven figures a year doing it. Okay. We were netting 40, 50,000 plus on every single property. Um, but the problem with that is, you know, when you look back and you say, okay, I made all this money and I'm buying all these toys and I'm living the lifestyle everyone thinks is the all American dream. Um, down the road, you know, you have a wife, you have kids, God forbid something happens to you. They can't continue that business. There's no legacy. You didn't create any wealth for your family. Um, so it's very important to realize at a certain point, what is your goal? And when I speak to people and I'm at an event or I, I do my training, the biggest thing I talk about is what is your goal and work backwards? Okay, yeah. what are you doing? Why are you in this business? People tell me all the time, I'm in this business because I hate my job. My wife or my husband wants to retire. I want to pay my kids college education. But yeah. I don't want to rely on Social Security. But their actions are totally different than their goals, their vision. I don't know if they have a vision board. I don't know if they write their goals. But their actions speak so differently. Yeah. Um, and what I learned, I did what everyone else did uh, after that period of time. I came out of Navy and, and, and I was a police officer. And I was still investing. But after that period of time, I was doing what everyone else was doing. I was taking down these real low-end properties because on paper, the numbers looked great. But we have to realize real quick that the numbers on paper aren't what you actually get. Uh, you, you turn around and you have 
you know, you're collecting money for the HVAC guy, for the plumber, for the electrician, for the roofer, for the property manager. You're not collecting any money for yourself because every time you collect money, you have a tenant moving out, you have a turnover, you have, they're stealing the copper, they're breaking something. Um, they don't want to pay rent, so they're, they're wrecking the house. And your average tenant is staying less than a year. So you have to decide, okay, what is my goal? And then you have to work backwards into that goal. So we like emerging markets. I'm very good at building out teams in emerging markets. Um, and what, we have a whole training on what an emerging market is. I don't want to get too much into that now, but ultimately it's the area you want to be with is always going to be job growth, good taxes, decent schools, economic development, infrastructure, that kind of thing. You don't want to be in rural America where there's literally, you know, 200 people in a 10 mile radius. That's not, you know, there's no job growth there. There's nothing for people to actually rent your properties. So you want to be in those areas and then you have multiple exit strategies and they come from everything from rent, holding rentals to seller financing, to owner seller financing, to selling partials. There's a ton of things you could sell the property to an owner occupied. You could do it on a cash deal, on a mortgage, on a note, Mm. And then you can sell off the partial, recoup your money. There's so much you can do, but you have to plan it the right way. And when I watch Facebook, I see all these people out there and they're like, you know, new into the business, two, two years, one year, and they're out there and they went to some, you know, guru cl class and they're out there telling people, hey, buy these class D properties and class D areas because you can buy them for $30,000 and make $900 a month. But, you know, those are the people who are, they're miserable. They'll never see any wealth. Um, the market will change. They're going to have tenants moving out. They'll stay in the property maybe six months. After that, it's going to cost you four or $5,000 to turn that property over again. You got to pay the management cost. So you're actually negative money. You never get ahead. So mm. you have to realize, okay, I'm not going to see a 20% yield like people are going to tell me on a cash deal. Maybe on a mortgage, you'll see that. Um, I got to understand that I'm in this business because I have a long-term goal, whatever that might be. Okay. You're a young guy. Your long-term goal might be, hey, uh, and you're probably doing most of it already because you're not at nine to five right now. But your long-term goal might, might be like, hey, I want to make $20,000 a month in the next 10 years so I don't ever have to worry and I'm, you know, taking care of myself and my family and whatever it might be. But you need to stick and back out in that goal. Okay, how many deals, how much do you need to make per deal? How many deals do you need to get? How much money do you need to raise? What kind of program are you going to do? Where are you going to do it? What team are you going to have together to make this happen? Because I see so many people, like, in the note business, it's cool. And in our turnkey rental business, it's really cool because – I could be in a certain amount of markets. I could be in the whole United States, but I can't manage that. Yeah. So the markets I really am heavy in right now are, are Dayton, Ohio. We just jumped heavy, back heavy into that because okay. we got deals from the banks. We yeah. jumped in Cleveland. I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm in Alabama, Birmingham, and Montgomery, Alabama. And my backyard of Delaware and Philadelphia and a little bit of Maryland, not much. So those are the areas I'm really focused in, but I could build a team in any market. Um, and I actually did a training last year. We took, this, we took one person out. They paid us to coach them for three days, and we went to two different, sorry, three different markets, and we built teams from scratch for them. Hell and yeah. that within four months, they wound up acquiring nine properties. So it was pretty cool. That was a pretty yeah. cool. That's so awesome. we did that. It was the first time we did that, and it was one of the best trainings that somebody got. Yeah, that's huge. You know, you mentioned a few things when it, when it comes down to setting your goals. And, uh, I mean, it, I feel like it's kind of just entrepreneur-related, but in, in the same sense, any type of business, but especially real estate, you know, figuring out where your vision is, what your end goal is, and then backtracking to actually get there. I think that is extremely important. Very, right. uh, very good nuggets right there. Right. Well, when you're 70 years old, 80 years old, do you want to own 50 properties in a Class D neighborhood in the pure ghetto having yeah. problems? Because let's be honest, your exit strategy is either keep them as a rental. You have two exit strategies. Keep them as a rental. 
or sell them to another investor who's not going to buy it for full price anyway, what for they're sure. worth. Yeah. So you got to plan that. So what do you want to do? You know, think, think now where you want to be when you're, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now and work backwards. And that's how you create wealth. This is great. I mean, you're almost like, like playing around with my mind right now because I'm actually investing in like a, a C class area. So, some would say maybe a C minus. <laughs> you know what? C and C minus is not, not the, C minus is a little shaky, but it depends. If you're in there for a fuel, and I've done some, and I get a lot of them from the banks, and unfortunately I take some because yeah. I have some buyers I want those. They're not from my portfolio. For sure. If you're, in those, if you're in those areas and you're in a value area, but you're in an area where there's working class people, there's pride of ownership, and I know because you're in Ohio as well, and I've done some C, C minus areas in, in Cleveland area. I used to do yeah. in Dayton, not in Dayton. But now most of the stuff I do in the Cleveland market is really like A minus to B minus. But I do have some buyers that want those lower end properties. They want to pay, you know, all in in the 60s. Um, they yeah. want to, you know, that's what they want. Um, not something I want to keep from my portfolio, but I do have some of those buyers that want that stuff. So we get, we get it from them because I see it. I get tax liens. I get REOs. I get For notes. Sure distressed assets. So I get them direct. I mean, I have sellers calling me now because I've done properties and they call me and I have other investors call me down. I'm like, I just can't, it's being managed horrible. I can't take this. I'll take a loss. Just get it off my books. So we get that too, but that's their exit strategy. They, why they get into the deal? Because they were promised this pie in the sky. And if you put the numbers on paper, they were told they were going to get 14, 15, 16% yield where you're in the bank right now. You're lucky if you're getting a quarter percent a year, if I'm telling you you're going to make yourself 7 to 10% in that range for a decent property, why is that? And you're getting depreciation yep. and you're getting possible renting. Right off. And it, I mean, I tell people, I said, listen, if you buy a property for $100,000 today and you do nothing else and the rent doesn't go up for 30 years and you got into that property with, let's say, twenty dollars or $30,000 down, you didn't make a dollar. And after 30 years, you have $100,000. You've so lost so you money almost. You yeah. 10 times, you have a million dollars. So you could have gotten into those properties with twenty to thirty thousand dollars down. So you put two or three hundred thousand dollars down, you have a million dollars. But you know, you're going to get depreciation. You're going to get rent increase. Mm -hmm. You're going to get cash flow. I'm not even talking about that stuff. Yeah. In a bank, in a bank, you just don't get that. You get this security that your FDIC insured up to a hundred thousand dollars. But you're not going to be able to save fast enough for retirement. And people don't understand. See, what I tell investors, I says you got to understand. You got to become an expert in this industry. And no, I'm not an accountant. No, I'm not an attorney. Okay. And that's my disclosure. So check disclosure. for your <laughs> But what I tell people is I know, more, I know more than most accountants out there right now about the real okay. estate. I know all the tax benefits. Now, you need, still need to check with your attorney. I know how to tell you because when they come to me and ask me, hey, Dan, I got this. How do I set up the self-director I? What are my tax benefits? How do I do a 1031 exchange? If I become that expert, but tell, you know, I always make sure they check with their attorneys or accountants. For but sure. then you become the expert. So when you're selling a property, you tell people, hey, you're making $200 a month on this property, but you don't understand how depreciation works. You mm -hmm. don't understand how cost of living works. Okay, so if you're in the bank and cost of living goes up 3% a year and your annual salary goes up 1% or 2% a year, you actually lost money. Mm. People don't understand that. So if you become the expert, and that's what's helped my business so much is I'm not out there just selling stuff. You'll never see me on Facebook even selling one of my properties. You'll never see me on Facebook really going out and selling our, our training or our coaching. We don't do, and especially one-on-one -on -one coaching. I only take up to eight people a year. And okay. I turn down over 80% of who, are, who comes to me right now because they're not ready, well, and able. And I don't want to be the guru. I'm not in this for education. I make a lot more money working the business than I do educating people. I only yeah. want to work with people that are serious, 
that are ready, willing, and able and can get this done. Um, that's the difference between me and most of these RIA groups and meetup groups out there. And why I don't speak at a lot of them anymore is because what am I going to, what am I going to do for people out there? How am I going to help them? And when I look at anything, it's always about bringing content. And if you bring content to people, true content, not what everyone else is doing. Okay. Be an expert on 1031 exchanges, become an expert on IR, self-directed IRAs, solo 401ks, Coverdells, health savings accounts, how to help. I mean, I have three kids, two of them had their college fully paid for the investments they've done when they were younger. Hell yeah. You, the people know you could pay, you have your own business. You could pay your kids. Yeah. Free. You could pay them legally. You could pay them. Not only are you paying them tax free, but you're actually teaching them responsibility in the business. That's so right. So these are things, once you start talking about that, and that's the content you give to people, now you become an expert in the field. Then investors who want to invest their money, they start wanting to invest with you. That's because right. Because you talk about how you do your due diligence, how you protect. First thing I talk about before I make anyone money is how am I going to protect them? And I always ask them a question is what happens when I lose your money? How would you act? And I want to see their face. Yeah. <laughs> I think I did a video, cartoon video a couple of years ago. Someone had did it for me. And they said, this is the only time I've ever seen someone do a video where they don't, they don't actually go out there and say they want people to invest with them. They actually tell people why they can't invest with them because you need to make sure it's a partnership. And I treat everyone who, who we do business with, everyone who invests in our projects, I treat them like family. They become my family. I want to have that relationship with them. I'm not there just to have their money because for us to go out and raise money, it's pretty easy. Like I know in about a month or two, I think we're going to start raising money. We have a development deal in Philadelphia. We're doing 21 duplexes and two commercial properties. Okay. Um, and I think we're only going to raise like 1.2, 1.3 million. We got bank finance on the rest. Mm -hmm. I guarantee the minute we put that out within three or four days, we'll have commitments for the whole 1.2, 1.3 million. And you know, sure. people go out there somewhere else and maybe make a little bit more money, but they like, they like the ability to work with us because we do what we say we're going to do time and time again. Um, we're servants to people's money. We pay them back before we pay ourselves back. And that's just how, that's just how we built our business. So, And I'm sure your well, success rate is pretty high. <laughs> on, thank God I've never lost a dollar for any investor. I've lost really? my own money. I've lost oh, my own okay. money. I was going to say, you've never had a bad deal in the oh, 27? Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> okay. no. Oh, no. Plenty. Plenty. Okay. <laughs> but I won't, I won't put an investor's money in any deal that okay. I think is you know, I invest in some crazy things myself, yeah. but I'm in a situation now. I mean, you're a I'm risk a, taker. That's okay. I mean, I, I invested in a movie just recently, you know? So, okay. Yeah. So the wish man is going to be coming out. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay. Congratulations. I, you know about that. I, invested in yeah. I helped raise a lot of money for that movie. That's so I would awesome. never in the past, I would never take investors money for that, but I told people what I was doing. They were like, you're doing it. I'm, yeah. It's my, it's my, I have a slush account. I call it, I can't call it my FU account. And I put, I said that that's my fun money. I want to, Every once in a while, I'll buy a pool of like second notes. I bought uh, I bought car notes before, but it's not something I'd ever take money from somebody else. It's my hey, this is my fu, my slush fund. This is my fun yeah. money, you know. Um, and I do it. But yeah, have I lost money? I I and and you have to lose money. I've lost money, and it's learned the business. How did I lose money? Um, I've trusted people without doing my due diligence. I had somebody say, hey, can you lend this guy money? The property's worth this. It's a rush. We have to close in less than three days. Can you do the deal? I can't wait for an appraisal. I can't. I trusted the person. I did the deal. The guy wound up going bankrupt two months later. My yeah, loan yeah. got wiped out. It wound up not being a first mortgage. It wound up being a third mortgage. I learned I'll never do a deal unless I have an appraisal or I have a title report. But you learn. That was years and years and years ago. I of used course. my own money and I lost. Yeah. But you learn the business. You know, you don't trust. You always trust, but you verify. And um, we have a lot of people that work with us now. And, and we've had, a, you know, a long-standing history 
But I always tell people, listen, you're going to buy a property for me, one of our turnkey rentals. They're not always going to go smooth. I'll be honest. It's not always going to go smooth. I wish they did, but they don't. My best properties, one of my best properties is, is one of my worst properties, turned into one of my worst nightmares. Took about, oh, two of them, I should say. It took about nine and a half to 10 months to evict the people out of there. Became a nightmare. Another one was I got involved what in the deal. What state was that? What's that? What state was that? I was actually in Delaware. Became yeah. a, professional, a professional tenant, but I trusted the real estate agent to say, hey, this is a great deal. These are great tenants. Well, the tenant had a, under a 500 credit score. If once I got took over the deal, I realized I, did, I hired an attorney. We did a search on that tenant. We found out it was their sixth eviction that they've gone through. They've been in court. So they're they a professional. They leave their jobs, moved to other states. They were professionals. Yeah. But once I, you know, I trusted that realtor to give me the deal, and that's what happened. Uh, I'm going through a deal right now in Siesta Key where we're in this deal now for three and a half years, and no for three and a half years. Why? The person's a professional. They have an attorney. They're willing. It's an expensive condo. It's worth almost $700,000. They have the ability to hire an attorney and play games and just, just destroy our attorney. But I invested in somebody else. I thought they were running the deal. They wound up not running the deal. They gave it to somebody else to run the deal who's very inexperienced. Yeah. So why is that inexperienced person raising money from somebody like me? You know, if I have more experience, they, they shouldn't be raising money from me. Why am I giving them money to do a deal that they don't know how to do? I'll just do it myself. Yeah. So you learn, you live and you learn. And it probably won't be the last time I get a little bit screwed. But yeah. I will never take, if, if I raise somebody's money, I will never take it and put it in a deal. And I will never guarantee anything except that I'm going to do my due diligence for you and I'm going to mitigate risk the best I possibly could. For sure. But I'm never going to guarantee you any returns because you're not allowed to do that. And I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I want to mitigate the risk as best I possibly could. And if I ask, if I tell anybody about a deal to invest in, it's the same deal I would tell my parents or my grandparents. To yep. invest in. That's, that's how strong I am about those deals. But can stuff still happen? Absolutely it could happen. I mean, I've sold people property and the tenant's great for two years and all of a sudden month one, tenant can't pay. They lost their job when they stopped paying. Yeah. It happens. It's part of the game. I mean, if you look at the overall though, okay, so it's a three, four month hiatus. It's a little bit of a pain in the butt. It happens. But if you just sell the pie in the sky to your investors, they're not going to trust you. They're not going to do business with you. And that's, you know, you can't, everyone sells the pie in the sky. And I know you, you had mentioned like, what's one of your favorite quotes? And I would say, it's never, and remember this because you'll probably ask me, it's never a problem until it's a problem. I always say that because people are like, oh, it's perfect. It's always been perfect. So it's never a problem until it's a problem. Like, Who was that said by? Is that you? That's me. That's me. <laughs> I, I can't even, that's me. I always say it because you can go on it. Facebook and people are always on there. Hey, I got this deal. I'll pay you 10% return. Give me the money for this property. Do this. And I yeah. said, I've never lost people money. I said, it's never a problem until it's a problem. When it's a problem, how do you take care of that investor? And if you can't answer that for me, or if you can't answer due diligence for me, and there's a, a gamut of things you need to do when you raise money. Yeah. That's what we have in our course. We talk about that. And we give you all our paperwork and everything like that. But so, if you can't... So yeah. let's, let's talk about that in a second. You know, I'm really curious to give some step-by-step. -step and and um, I really love the fact that... And, and I want to try this out with uh, some other people that, you know, I'm, I'm raising money with and ask them... Um, so you ask, you ask all everybody that you actually raise money with, you know, what are you going to do if I lose your money? When I lose your money. When I lose your money. I love that. You watch <laughs> their face. You watch their face. Yeah. Because you got to say, listen, and you, and you go through it again. You say, listen, Absolutely. I'm not going to lose your money, but could it happen? Absolutely. You know, and you don't take, you know, you have to treat people 
you don't take their last dollar. Of you know, course. People that are ready for that, you know? You know, if somebody has $100,000 in their retirement account, and that's what they plan on living on, you don't take $100,000. Yeah. Maybe 50000 of their of their dollars. And now we're to the point where we pay people a little bit more, the more money they give us. But um, we're in a situation now where people don't want to give their money to anyone else. They're like, you know, if I have 500000 I'd rather just give it to you, and I don't have to worry about anyone else. Yeah. Um, and we tell them, no, spread it. It's fine. You can spread it around. We have other investors. We like to keep people. We like to bring new investors in, and we like to keep people happy with their money moving. The worst thing that happens is when we pay people back. They hate that. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm honest. And no one's ever happy. They, like, no, they, they want their money working for them. And if it's safe and secure with you and constantly making more money and better return, then obviously they don't want it back. Right. I, I, love, I love the fact that you know, you're, you're actually helping out these people, though, and, and making it a win-win situation. So it, it really adds value at the end of the day. But I do want to talk about, um, you know, raising money. I, I know when you and I met at Secret Knock, you were, you were telling me um, the, the critical documents that you actually need to make it, you know, safe on both sides. Right. And pretty much the step-by-step -step, uh, process. I believe it was five or is it six? It's five. 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 Okay. So you have... What you're going to do is you're going to prepare, and, and most people are doing this. So if you do this, you're going to blow everyone away. Yeah. You're going to prepare the mortgage. You're going to prepare a note, okay? A personal guarantee. So you're going to personally guarantee, especially in the beginning. Now, we don't have to personally guarantee anything. But in the beginning, personally guarantee it. You're going to do a confession of judgment. And a confession of judgment means, hey, if they got to sue you, they just can bring that to court and that's it. They, they automatically have a judgment against you without, without a court case. Okay. And assignments of rent. Okay. Okay. So those are the, and in some states, like in Delaware, I'm allowed to do. In fact, I fought my lawyer saying I wasn't allowed to do, and he proved I was. Okay. I could, uh, I could do a deed in lieu. Some states you could do them at the, but usually you can't. So I don't tell people about the deed in lieu because you really can't do a deed in lieu unless you're in default. So when you do the note, you're not in default. So you really can't do it. But in certain states, they allow you to do it. But let's put that on the side, the sixth one. So those are the five, the mortgage, the note, the personal guarantee, the confession of judgment, and the assignment of rent, which means if you stop paying me, I go in and I file that form and the tenant next month starts paying me the rent, not you. Okay. Because there's a lot of people that, you know, uh, I talk about it all the time. I, if you guys aren't following Matty Merrinoff from Real Estate Recovery, you need to follow him as well. Um, he's my short sell negotiator. He does loan mods and stuff like that. And hopefully he's out here, you know, watching and listening, but... Uh, he does a lot of stuff with me, and you've probably seen some videos with me and him, him and I, I should say. And uh, what we always talk about is how many people out there are actually in their houses or, or landlords collecting rent that aren't paying the bank. Mm. So the banks don't understand this. So here's how, if I borrow money from you, if you're yeah. going to lend me money and I go out there and I do this property and said, hey, hey, Brandon, listen, I'm going to use your $100,000. I'm going to buy this property. If I don't pay you, you'll get, you have a mortgage. There's a mortgage on the property. There's a note that says, if I don't pay you, take it back. There's a confession of judgment. So instantly you have a judgment against me. Yeah. Personal guarantee so you can tie my personal assets. Now, if I go bankrupt, okay. But now I'm going to have to go bankrupt to get around it. But yeah. even if I go bankrupt, you still get the property back. And there's, a, there's an assignment of rent. So you can start collecting rents immediately. Mm. Within 30 days, usually max, you can start collecting rent. So I'm buying this property. You're giving me $100,000 and the property's worth about 170 or 180. Does that make you comfortable? The rents are the rents are fifteen sixteen hundred dollars a month. Are you comfortable with that? Yeah. What's the worst? I always say to people, and you'll probably use this one. Here's another one. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, I take back the property and I get all that equity. 
I always ask people, what's the worst that can happen? They go, yeah. well, you don't pay me. I go, that's the best that can happen. Yeah, exactly. You. You're only getting your, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10% interest, whatever we decide on. Yeah. On the bill. But if I, if I don't pay, you get a property with 50,000, 40,000, 30,000 equity with a tenant in it, rehab, managed, paying. How could it go wrong? Yeah. Now you understand why when I get these properties, a lot of them I sell to investors and I become the bank. I hold the note. Why am I willing to hold a note on a property that I'm willing to own? That's mm. not one of the other rules I have. I will not ever hold a note on a property I'm not willing to own myself. Of so if you buy these $30,000 schlockers in the ghetto, I'm not, I don't want those properties in my portfolio. So I'm not going to lend you money. I don't care how much you pay me. Mm. Because I expect every single deal that I'm going to have to foreclose. Every single one. Now, do I have to? No. No, I haven't. Just recently, another one I learned a lesson from. I gave a guy 100% financing that was inexperienced. Oh, really? The tenant didn't pay. He stopped paying me. He walked away. He filed bankruptcy because he had all the paperwork against him. Confession, judgment, personal guarantee, assignment of rent. Filed so bankruptcy. Yes. Well, I got stuck with a schlocker. Now, I sold that to somebody else, a newer investor, who I made put money down this time. And if he doesn't pay me, at least I'm way in under what it's worth. And I'll be okay. But it's a property I don't want to own. So yeah. you got to remember that too. When I sell off my turnkey rentals, I don't sell off the, the, the $40,000, $30,000 properties. Most of my stuff is $75,000 and up. You know, seventy five to one hundred thirty thousand is really my niche of what I, I work in. Okay. In those, those areas. That's kind of the, the area, the price values I work in. Okay. Now, I, I do want to talk more about um, creating passive wealth. And uh -huh. I know this is something that you've been focusing on more uh, in the last seven years or so yeah. um, after doing so much, you know, fix and flip, stuff like that, that you actually, you know, you want to start creating some generational wealth. Um, what, what area are you actually in right now? Like what area do you live in? I live in Delaware, right outside of Philadelphia. Okay. But I'm out in Delaware now for the last 14 years. I was going to say you have the New Yorker and, and then, uh, you know, the vibes with that, the accent. And then you, you mentioned in the past, um, in, in the beginning that you're lending money. I figured loan sharking somehow. <laughs> I, just, I, just, <laughs> I, hope, I hope the uh, feds aren't watching this. <laughs> <laughs> They're always watching. It's okay. Probably yeah, uh, being the bank. Being the bank is the way you do that. You know, yeah. that's all, that, should, that should be your ultimate goal. Okay, of course. Yes, of course. Um, and, and at first, for the longest time, I didn't. I couldn't actually understand that concept because I, I figured, you know, there's so much other benefits, um, or at least in my mindset at the time. But it really does make sense for the end game to become the bank and have all that control and really hands off for the most part, mm -hmm. um, making your money work for you tremendously. All right. But um, I, I do want to talk about, you know, what areas are you actually investing in? Like how many different states are, are you in? Now we're in about six different states. Six. We're different. In, like I said, we're in, well, I should six different cities. We're in Dayton, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. Memphis, Tennessee, Montgomery, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, Delaware. Um, and we're doing a development deal in Philadelphia coming up this fall. I love it. That's the, that's the big development deal. It's going to be 21 duplexes, so 42 units and two commercial, uh, two, two commercial downstairs. So that's a full development from the ground up. So uh, that's, that's going to start, I think, in September is the plan to put the shovels in the ground. We get all the approvals done, permits done, architectural drawings almost finished. Okay. Um, and that's happening this fall. So cool. Yeah, that's exciting. I love how you're you're pretty heavy in Ohio as well, because that's 
that's my area that I'm investing in. So it makes me feel a little bit more secure. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that, um, I don't know how long you've been in, in the Cleveland or Dayton market. Um, I was out, I'm out there now almost probably close to six years already. Okay. The problem is that I'm, I'm now able to sell for like 80,000, dollars Years ago, I was selling them off for like twenty five, thirty thousand. Believe it. Yeah. Believe it or not, the area I've watched such regentrification. And what, what's funny is um, now I'm even in different areas than I was in. Like I was in some C, maybe hard C. Every once in a while, I fall to a C minus area. But now we're really in E minus to like B's. You know, that's really our niche. Um, yeah. These small little ranchers, little bungalows. They don't get as much rent as your other areas, but they're quite better areas. Um, and it's funny how I see what's when people hit me up and they say, well, I, you know, I want to buy in Cleveland or I want to buy in Dayton. I heard this market is the best. I mean, I think fortune just, or money just ranked at number three as best places to invest. Um, and it's, it's been like this for the last couple of years, top 10 places to invest. But when I first went out there, just like when I went years ago to Arizona, when it was nothing, people told me I was absolutely nuts and crazy. Now these same people are coming in there and they're buying in droves now, but now they're a lot more expensive. Yeah. Um, compared to what they, where they used to be. But what I do love is I love when people call me up and they say something like, you know, what area should I invest in? You know, I want to do, I want to do business with you. I want to get some turnkey rentals from you guys. What area should I be in? And I kind of tell them this and they go back and they talk to their friends, their attorney. They're like, Oh no, you don't want to touch Cleveland. You're everyone's an expert. Yeah. I mean, like you gotta, you gotta watch like who you hang out with, who you're talking to. Um, I mean, you were at Superman, I know Greg talks about this. Like, you, you know, I don't even know the statement he used. I forgot. It's like, t take, uh, it's not about taking advice from, you know, taking advice from idiots out there and you're going to be an idiot. I forgot how he says it. Yeah. But when you want to learn from it, you know, you want to learn from the best, you take the advice from guys who are doing it. Um, exactly. But everybody will give you their advice, but nobody knows anything about that area or that business. I'm sure you see it too, because you're out in California and you're investing in Ohio. People are like, what in the world are you doing? Oh, yeah. That's their first question. They're always like, what the hell are you doing investing over there? And for right. me, it just made sense to, to get in where, you know, it was more affordable and um, where I could really make my money work for me. Yeah, because uh, you're, like you're like at a negative return out in California. Yeah, right. yeah. No, I mean, it's, there, there's no, this is not a market that we're in for buying holds out here. It, it just wouldn't make sense. For Airbnb, there's, I see a lot of people that are actually crushing it and, and making, you know, three, four, five times the amount of monthly rent that they would have if they're just renting it to one person, which is awesome. But there's a lot of uh, moving parts that, you know, um, come together with that as well. It becomes a job. Just like I said, if you want to be a section yep. eight landlord, not a bad business model, but it's your job. You're like, don't yeah. do section eight, then don't go do multis, then don't do, go do high end, you know, suburban developments, then don't do um, Airbnbs. Like, you need to focus. If that's, if you want to be a section eight, I have another friend. Carmelo out in Jersey. He he's a Section Eight guy in Trent, New Jersey. Jersey, yeah. <laughs> and he's he's crushing it. But he's yeah. a Section Eight guy. That's all he does. I mean, he does a flip here and there once in a while. But he's not like that's his business model. He gets in there, he buys these low end properties, fixes them up, deals with Section Eight, deals with the tenants. He's an expert at. Yeah, but he does very well. And there's nothing wrong with it. But he's focused. He's 100 percent focused on that. And every once in a while, he'll do a flip here and there. But you just like Airbnb, I know people that I, I had a, a VRBO in Florida. It was a lot of work. I mean, good money but it was a lot of work. It took my time away from doing what I was doing. It oh, wasn't yeah. ultimately. But if I wanted to be an Airbnb VR, VRBO type guy, I could do very well. You know, like the other things I love are, 
you know, senior housing, residential assisted living, like Gene Trina, Gene Trina does. Uh, Gene, um, uh, I forgot his last name, but he does. But same thing. That's what his niche is. That's what he does. It, and he's very good at it. Um, so you really need to find the niche and stop with the shiny object that everybody's yeah. out there. And I see it. But what I, I see mostly is people tell you one thing. Their goal is one thing. But their, vi- or their vision is one thing. But their actions are totally different. Of course, yeah. That lifestyle to people. I'm like, stop touching things that are not part of your vision. I've had people get so pissed off at me because I don't take their deal. They're like, it's a great deal. I'm sure it is, but it's not for me. That's yeah. a great deal. You're not a real. I'm like, it's not for me. I don't have a team in that market. I'm not going to just go set up a team in the market for one deal. Of course. And that's, it's not like where you're focusing at. That's not where you're heading. So why would you jump into something like that? Like I'll be on a plane Monday. I'll be on a plane to, I have a partner out there in Cleveland. He's been jumping back and forth on a private jet to uh-huh. date for us, building our team out there. Cause why we are opening up and able to take down a ton of tax liens in that area and, and REOs and notes. I'm flying out there Monday to Tuesday and I'll fly back. I mean, I have to get out there. I don't do stuff without putting my team together out there. For sure. So we don't jump. I mean, we've seen some great deals and we haven't jumped yet because we're not, until we have our team set up, we're not ready. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about um, team building. But before we actually jump into team building, I, I really want to just cover, um, you know, like what, I know you have your hands in a lot of different things right now, but what is, what is your main focus in, in the real estate game? I, I, I know you're doing a ton of different things, but. Um, what I do is really focused to creating passive income and wealth. Okay. So when I take on a turnkey rental, I, I, I sell a lot of those off to my investors. The ones I hold are not really what my investors want. Why? Because they're probably a little bit more expensive. The yields might be really low, but for my portfolio, they're great because I pay, I pay the debt down immediately. Okay. I don't hold a lot of debt. Do you do so, like a velocity banking strategy of, you know, taking been, your cash flow from other places and just knocking down? I've been doing this for so many years. I'm teaching this for so many years. Yeah. Uh, I did it everything from paying off, you know, loans, the cars, the credit. I mean, I've always done this, but yeah. we have, like you said, as far as doors, we have over 600 doors now. We literally have two mortgages right now. That's it. That's all we have. Um, oh, and yeah. The way we did it is once again, I mean, I can go to a bank and I could pull out over $10 million in money right now yeah. and go buy some more stuff. But what am I doing? What is my vision? It's not my vision. So what am I doing? Everything I do for myself is to turn my, my assets into passive income. So I like to take these turnkey rentals. If I sell them to you, I sell them, I rinse and repeat with the cash. If you're, if I deal with an investor and a lot of my investors come to me between a hundred and $200,000. When I sell a property, let's say I sell it for $80,000. Let's take some numbers here. Yeah. I have them put down 30% or $20,000, whichever is greater. So they're putting $24,000 back in my pocket. Mm. Okay. I hold a note for them for 10 to 15 years. So now I don't have to worry about tenants, toilets, trash. Yep. So you're doing owner financing with these guys and turnkey. And I do it to invest 95 plus percent to investors, not to okay. owner. Okay. Cause I don't want to deal with Dodd-Frank issues, which we're fighting in, in Washington now. Okay. So now I start taking payments over and over and over again. I don't have any headaches. I set up a servicing company. Servicing company gets the payments. They ACH it right to my account. I don't know anything that goes on unless somebody doesn't pay. And if they don't pay, it goes right to my attorney and he handles it. So really it's a phone call. Now, when it comes down to the servicing account, um, I I actually haven't heard of that. How much uh, is that charged typically or what kind of uh, service do they actually provide? They provide everything from collecting payments, reporting it to the government, reporting a tax on your tax. I mean, they give you your mortgage interest statement. 
Nice. Uh, they'll handle bankruptcies. They'll handle workouts for you, whatever you want them to do. I don't have them do the workouts. Yeah. I handle the workouts with my legal team, but I let them service it, collect payments, um, do escrows. Okay. Insurances are paid. Insurance is paid. Um, it costs usually, everyone's a little different, but it's such a minute cost. You're talking about usually about $50 to set up each account, each okay. mortgage. And it's anywhere from $15 to $30 per month, which you could actually, you can't charge a servicing fee, but what you could do is change the payment a little bit to cover the servicing for your borrower. Yeah. So that's what I do. That's my ultimate goal. So when I take a property from a bank or a note, uh, either work it out with the borrower. If I can't work it out with the borrower, I only buy a note on the property I'm willing to foreclose on in my portfolio. Yeah. So why do I want to do that? Because I want to turn it into a turnkey rental, sell it to an investor, now, an investor, let's say with $100,000, let's say they only have to put $20,000 down, okay? And the property is, let's, whatever. Let's say it's a $50,000 property. Let's make this really easy. Yeah. $50,000 property, you got to put $20,000 down, okay? And they have $100,000. Well, you have some closing costs involved too, right? Hmm. How many properties would an investor be able to buy if they had to pay cash? One, maybe two, right? Not many. $50,000, that put $20,000 down, maybe two, 3000 closing costs. For sure. Okay. With me now, on $100,000, if I hold a note for them, I could sell them probably four properties. Mm. There's going to be an, each property for $22,000, $23,000, right? Yeah. I just sold four properties to invest. I helped that investor create wealth because eventually they're going to pay me off. They're going to own four properties. Yeah. Instead of one, I helped them create wealth. So they'll make a little bit less money every month. So will I. I have the headache free. Headache free. Yeah. I truly created that passive wealth. But how do you get to that point? How do you get from point A to point C? People are like, how do I get there? Yeah. And that's kind of what we, that's what our whole course, our everything, our big course is about in online training. How do we get from A to Z? And it starts with buying those properties in Cleveland and then having an investor you can sell them to. You know, we have a lot of investors out there that have $20,000, dollars $40,000, but most of mine have, you know, hundred to 500 in that range. Okay. So we can sell them multiple properties. Yeah. And then what we do is I teach them not to take the 100 or $200 a month they make and put it in, go to Atlantic City or Vegas and put it down on black. I teach them how to pay down their mortgages yeah. to build equity. Well, that's like an anti-Robbie Kiyosaki type thing, Rich Dad, Poor Dad thing. Um, and I understand, but you have to figure out a way to build, right? Build yeah. your portfolio and then pay it down. Of course. Um, and I'm, you know, it's funny because everyone kind of argues with me at that point about paying down their debt. Are the people who are either newer in the business or who have lost everything in the late 2000s. Mm. And I always say, you know, there's a difference between um, financial savvy and psychological savvy. And you, you won't go poor. And I said this once before, you won't go poor without a mortgage. If someone raised their hand, they said, yes, you will, because it means you own no real estate. I understand that. So own real estate, pay down your debt, hit your goals, because your goal is, you told me in 10 years you want to retire. Yeah. So do you want to have mortgages for the next 30 years and you retire in 10 years? Yeah. Okay. So you have to understand what your mission and your goal is um, because what's going to happen if and when the market reverses, changes, and corrects itself, yeah, it does, yeah. where are you going to be? I'm going to be okay. In the last market cycle that boom, that had, had the decline, I lost on paper less than 6%. I still had a 96.1% occupancy rate. And people are like, well, statistics are made up. And I know they are, but about a month ago, I just went through all those numbers on my account. So I, I actually looked at those numbers. Damn. So, and our turnover, here's the other thing. When you do properties, our turnover from one tenant to the next, we have less than $1,600 we spend in turnover. 
Nobody does that. People are into it for five to $8,000 in turnover, new carpet, new paint. We put a lot of money in our properties up front and we keep them as maintenance free as we possibly could. Yeah. Why? That allows us to live the passive lifestyle. We don't have to take phone calls every single day from our tenants. Now, when we let other people fix our properties, they were putting lipstick on a pig. When they put lipstick on a pig, things things going to break. They cheap out up front because they oversell oh, the properties. Yeah. Don't fix your properties the right way. Put the money in up front. Make it as maintenance-free as you possibly could, and you'll live a lifestyle you want to live. Yeah. I've actually learned that strategy through uh, seeing it firsthand as being a renter and seeing you know certain places that I've rented at. Um, the property management, they just did the – the shittiest job for replacing the same, the cheapest, you know, uh, knobs or whatever it is. And it constantly breaks in six months to a year. And then they're hiring somebody to come out here for the time and, and effort all involved. So it's really, it, you know, I love, I love when you turn over, I love when you turn over a property and they change the toilet seat or the guts in a toilet bowl and literally for under $200, you put a brand new toilet bowl yeah. or, or sinks. They, They'll change, they won't change the uh, fixtures, you know, yeah. they'll put a new sink, but they'll put the old fixtures on that are going to leak in a month. Yeah, exactly. It, it spend, and people tell me you're crazy how much you spend on, you know, on rehab and a rental. I mean, if I have to pull the counters on a rental, I'm putting granite back in. If they're in good condition, I leave them. It, in any property you have, I'm putting stuff like granite. Well, I'm now putting, that, that depends on the area itself, right? For, for the area, for the type of class that you're investing with and that you like i mean it's obviously that may be more beneficial with a b class or a class type of area obviously i'm different i've i when i take them off i've sold off properties in other areas but when i take any area well i don't do like the real i don't do class d areas Uh i have two apartment buildings small apartment buildings a 10 and 12 unit we're going to be selling in cleveland okay minus area we bought those from they're not for us because we bought them in tax lien we're getting them all fixed up we're getting them improved so yes, in areas like that, but on my C, C minus properties, I used to put granite in there. I would pay, thinking about this, I'd pay about $700 for granite to put in those properties. Yeah. Uh, uh, for Manca Countertop, it would cost me about 250 to 350 I would get more money in rent. I'd rent it fast. I'd have a happier tenant, longer tenant. Tenant nice is quality is, tenant as well for the most part. I would part. always get 25 to $60 more a month by having granite in there. I'd rent it out faster than anyone else. So think about, look at your numbers that way on yeah. vacant. If your property one month, if it's not rented for one month and your rent is $800 for a month, you just lost $800. That covers the granite. Um, and then I don't have to worry about a tenant putting a hot pan on it because they don't care. They yeah. can put it on granite. But they also take pride. The biggest thing I see is they take pride of ownership. Like in Delaware, where I live, we have a waiting list right now of tenants that want to move into our any property we get. So the minute we have a property, we tell them, hey, we have this property coming online in the next 30 to 45 days. The minute I buy a property here, I have it coming online. They're already, I have this thing rented before it's even done. I've had them ask, hey, can you paint certain colors for yeah. a tenant? Um, and you don't get that if you give a junky property. You know, I mean, course. the name, the, you know, people know, realtors call us when we sell a property, they want to buy our properties that we flip. Um, and it all becomes, it, it's all your reputation. You know, take pride in what you do. But like I said, my, my average tenant stays over six years. That doesn't happen anywhere, anywhere. I don't care where you are. No yeah. tenant stays over six years. Um, where I said, like I said, our occupancy rate at over 600 doors is 96.1% right now. And our turnover cost is under 1600 bucks a property, uh, a door, the turnover property. Shit. So these are the things you, you, you would lose. You know, if you spend $5,000 to turn a property and I'm spending 1600, yeah. I made all that money back 10 times over already. Yeah, exactly. So long, plus I get to live the lifestyle I want to live. I don't have to take those phone calls all the time.
Yeah. No, that's huge. I love how you pointed out too, um, for owner financing that you, you naturally just give that opportunity to an investor. Mm -hmm. See, I've always had that mindset too. And I I haven't done owner financing yet, but I've looked into it a few different times and almost, uh, went through, um, with one of my tenants, but basically how, how I like to structure it is I've rented out to them for one year and then I give them the option, you know, if I like them, and it's a, if it's a win-win situation and I can tell that, you know, they're going to be a man or woman of their word, then, you know, I'll throw that opportunity out there. Um, but I, I like the aspect of just, you know, doing it with an investor. Well, let me explain. There's, there's a couple of reasons why is um, the main reason why right now, and I don't know if you know, I, I am running for state rep in Delaware. And oh, I'm, shit. Are you? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm running, as crazy as it sounds, everything I'm doing, I'm running. Um, and I'm finally, able to, I'm finally able to do it because I have the time available now to do it. Okay. But one of the biggest issues and why we raise it, we've raised a lot of money from people nationwide. In fact, one of my people, one, one person I know internationally donated money to us is because I'm running hand in hand with somebody running for us, a U.S. Senate seat. And he comes from the banking, he has, you know, banking regulation background. Um, and his biggest push, which they're going to be watching in DC this week is, you know, the Dodd-Frank uh, overturn. Um, Dodd-Frank is what's killing seller financing to owner-occupied borrowers. Okay, they're the ones who are making it next to impossible for you to actually sell finance your property to a borrower, to an owner-occupied borrower. Um, because think about it, a lot of your tenants, they might be contractors, they might be, you know, off the books, whatever it might be, hairdressers, they could afford the property, but they can't go to a conventional bank and a bank here and say, hey, you're approved. So they took it out of our hands. Or they turned around and said, hey, you can only do five of these a year. So I understand that, you know, when the government regulates certain industries, it's to protect people. But over-regulation is no good either. So they've hurt my business and they've hurt a lot of investors' business because we were providing houses for people to live in, have pride of ownership, have their own real estate, build equity, build net worth for themselves and their family, um, not have to worry about rents going up. They own the property. And the government came in and said, oh, oh absolutely not. We're going to do Dodd-Frank, this Dodd-Frank rules. And I don't want to get into a whole Dodd-Frank regulation. But one of the biggest things I'm working on in this state is to work hand-in-hand with a U.S. senator to overturn or, or change up some of the regulations on Dodd-Frank. And like I said, uh, December 9th, I mean, uh, May 9th or 11th this week, they're in Washington on a big push for this. So um, that's that's one of the reasons – and then obviously for my state, I'm running for there's certain things, taxes and schools and safety and stuff like that I'm running for. But this is the big thing in my head is, hey, we need to fix a lot of what's going on. But that's why I do investors. And investors, you're dealing with, it's not a residential loan. It's actually considered a commercial loan. Okay. So we show that when I do the training in my course, I show up how to take that. And the way I do my deals, I get almost all my money back in 12 to 18 months, how I used to do my deals. Yeah. Which means that my, my returns are infinite at that point. Oh, of course. So if you set it up right, you can get all your money back, even in two years, and then you rinse and repeat. So really, how much money do you need to really raise? With a million dollars or less, yeah. you can create that lifestyle you want in the next few years. Because you're going to get that money back, you just rinse and repeat. So yeah. you can get these properties, fix them up, rent them. Get a down payment, get almost all your money back, put them into another property. So if you have a million dollars, you could turn around and buy yourself, you know, 50 properties possibly and do, do this, exactly. 40, 50 properties. You're set. You're done. Yeah. You know, your goal is to see $200 a door 
you have 50 properties, you're at 10,000. And that's when I say work backwards, right? How much money did I need to make so I didn't have to ever worry again what I do? I mean, I had to, I could sit. I mean, we went to Europe. I went to Greece. I sat in Greece for three weeks on a freaking boat traveling from island to island. And I could care less what happened. The money still hit my bank account. Yeah. Because I have all those notes, all the, all the seller financing happening. Yeah. So first thing is, is learning how to raise money, how to acquire properties, how to build teams, how to protect your investors, and how to set up seller financing. You do that and you're set. Now, if you go and flip for houses every year, like I was doing, you're making a lot of cash, but God forbid, when you get hit by that bus, I hate to be morbid, but I always tell people it's great till it's, till it's not. If you get hit by that bus, how is your family taken care of? That's okay? right. And you still have to hold a portfolio. Like people yeah. say, well, why don't you just sell finance everything? Because eventually people will pay me off and then you have nothing. So yeah. why do I keep, I keep certain properties in my portfolio. My property values are all like 150 to 350,000 mm -hmm. on my, my portfolio. Good school districts, class A areas. If, if I was to sell it to an investor, it wouldn't make sense because they wouldn't make a return they want to make. But I take all that money I make and I've paid down those mortgages. Yeah. So I have all those properties, you know, probably over close to $5 million in, in, in properties with no mortgage on them. And I'm generating a nice amount of money every month that I can live off of. So no matter what, that's my generational wealth. And every time I find a property like that, I keep that in that pocket. And okay. I don't sell both to investors unless I find an investor like myself that might want one. Mm. But so, you know, yeah, can I take that money and I can buy $310,000 properties and deal with the crap? I could do that. It's not yeah. what I want to do. I let the guys on, I let the guys on Facebook teach that at the readers and all that stuff. Let them handle that. Let them be the expert in that. I'll stay, I stay in my lane, do what yeah. I do and do best. You know, I love that. And you actually, uh, you pointed out the strategy that I take advantage of a lot, the, the burr strategy. When you buy a distressed property and then, you know, you do the full rehab on it, you rent it out and then you refinance it to, to get all or most of your money back after you built the value. Right. Um, and then you just repeat the process. So then you should, you should take, and everyone will fight me on this. Then you should take all that extra money since you're a young, you're a young cat. Yeah. Like, pay that thing down and you know if you say i want to be in this business three to five years pay those damn things down take the rent extra rent pay it down pay down one property at a time yeah and then turn around and you know next five years maybe you have yourself 20 properties totally paid off for sure and now you can just do what you want to do and now you, every time you get a property you can turn around and do the same thing and sell it off to an investor so my goal right now uh just for me personally is to build up a, a stronger portfolio and then once i have you know a ton of money coming in from them, then just start hitting them one at a time um, and really knocking them all out very quickly. Cool. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Exactly. The same thing I did is I built up good quality properties. Yeah. Paid them down one at a time. And then that's kind of how I did it. I also have a, a big uh, vision and goal to actually turn around some of these neighborhoods because I'm really, I'm focusing within like a, a mile, mile and a half uh, area. And it's right in a um, famous Catholic university district, like a half a mile away. So I see a lot of opportunities as, as well with other things going on over there. So I, I really feel like if I start buying up all these properties and, and really start, you know, do the full remodel and get good qualified tenants in there, because I'm a pain in the ass when it comes down to screening. I screen just like a bank um, <laughs> because I, I know I'd rather deal with all the chaos up front and get that out of the way to get a really, you know, strong qualified tenant. Um, so I don't need to worry about it down the road, but you're screening, you're screening your own tenants in, in Ohio. Yeah, I am. Yep. That's great. 
That's great. That's something that that'll change. I, I mean, unfortunately, I don't do that in my other markets. I just do that in my home market. But um, you could do that. Our best market is where we screen our own tenants. My wife handles that here in Delaware area. Yeah. And uh, we have, I think, over 60. I don't remember the number. I think it's like 64 doors right now here in Delaware. And that's my best market because she screens them all. Um, she can look at them, look at their cars, look at how the kids act when they come in. We do a certain thing when we rent out to people. We're physically there. I'm not physically in those markets. I do. I work with the property management companies in those markets. Yeah. But yeah, you got to remember property management companies, their goal is just put somebody in there. They don't think like we think long term. Yeah. Hey, I don't want to deal with problems over pro if the problem, if the problem. They're like, hey, I put somebody in there, I get my one month's lease up fee. And yeah. But then they get in those phone calls every month and, and they don't think like I think. I'm like, how do I do the most amount of work up front so I don't have to do anything down the road? I mean, oh. I'm maybe a lazy guy. I don't know what it is. It's yeah. probably. I always laugh at me. I'm just some lazy guy. I just want to sit on the beach all summer. Hey, I think I think it's natural. I mean, it's the human being instinct. We wanna we wanna get the most and, and not do the work. But obviously, uh, you know, you got to put in the work at first uh, to be able to have that success down down the line. Unfortunately, because of the long distance, um, you know, I do a lot of the back end over here. But uh, as far as paperwork and screening them over the phone, but then I, I do have to rely on certain people that I built relationships with uh, to be able to, you know, uh, really be the boots on ground because at the end of the day, um, I really took on all those responsibilities because nobody's going to care about your, your investment more than yourself. Exactly. Are you managing your own, are you managing, self-managing your properties? Yeah, so I, I, I pay, um, I have like a property manager that I, I have on call pretty much. So I pay him hourly if needed. But for the most part, um, I, I really, I, I was paying him a monthly fee and it was just adding up to hundreds of dollars. And I was like, you know what, at the end of the day, he still calls me, you know, if something happens or tenants would still call me because I would be screening them. And he didn't have the time, stuff like that. And uh, basically, you know, he would go, if anything needed to be, you know, fixed maintenance-wise, he'd get a contractor out there, give the estimate, give it back to me. I'd still pay the contractor. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I can do all that shit. <laughs> you could, but you'll, you'll run out of time really quick. Yeah, so I'm to the point now that my, my portfolio is getting bigger and I, that is something that I need, to, I need to look into this year to get, you know, something more solid to... Um, get back some time. Yeah. Well, if you need any help, uh, you know, you're in the same neck of the woods as I am. Let me know. I could always turn over some people that, you know, if they're all these, you know, I always say you got to figure um, it's going to take you two, three times to switch property management companies to get somebody you like and just always expect yeah. not to switch them again. Yep. The nature of the beast. But it is. Um, it's one of those things you have to, if you want to grow, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do it. Now For you sure. can still say, Hey, I want to evaluate every tenant I have. But, you know, you, you're going to handle the bookkeeping. You're going to handle the rent collections. You're going to handle the calls. Still yep. call me anything over. I tell them anything over $250 in the beginning. I want to yep. be called for every repair. Um, but you, you, once you get past, like I said, 50 doors or so, it's going to become a nightmare to really do it yourself. Yeah. Like my, it's, the way she set it up here in Delaware with 64 doors, I think, um, we, we took it back from another property manager, our third property manager in Delaware. We took it back from – and once we had, we got rid of the problem tenants and we went in there and fixed it the way we want to fix it. Um, she went and evaluated each tenant by herself. And thank God now we, we literally have a waiting list of tenants. And most of the waiting list is tenants, family that are in our other houses. 
Oh yeah. They come, they come over and they love the house. They're yeah. all brand new pretty much. Yeah. And like, does your landlord have any more? So they're constantly on hitting us up that do we have any more. And so, um, you know, but she's, that's become her full-time job. But now, like I said, right now we don't have any vacancies here. Thank God. I don't want to jinx myself, but, um, and we really don't, her biggest thing is some of our tenants don't even have a bank account. So she has to go pick up cash from them. Um, and, and, and put that in a bank. But I've even set tenants up with, my bookkeeper, I set them up with ACH. We have them all. Anyone that has a smartphone, I could have them Venmo me. I make them Venmo. I was going to say, I do Venmo. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, you got to see at the beginning of the month from the first to like the third or fourth, my phone's like ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Mailbox and, I respond to all I love it. and I respond to all of them, like for fun. Yeah. Like, we appreciate you because yeah. just a personal, like I like that. That's not work to me. Yeah. So, and the other thing is with your tenants, Treat them like gold, man. Treat them yeah. like gold. They are like people, a lot of landlords, not even slumlords, but a lot of landlords don't appreciate their tenants. And that tenant is letting you live the life that you want to live. That's right. Like, you know, know their birthdays, know, you know, holidays, no special occasions. Watch what, you know, the kids are graduating. Um, thank you cards, handwritten thank you cards. Yeah. The best thing. Um, what I started doing is, you know, I got those, I met the guys over in Sigurnak. I started sending those metal placards like yeah. they have handwritten out um things like that just be a little different just listen keep your eyes and ears open listen to what they like um because they want to feel like you appreciate them as much as they appreciate you of course. Um, as much as you want to feel like they appreciate your house it's like why aren't they taking care of my house i'm giving them housing they want to be appreciated respect you know and believe me like i have tenants i'm like you know i have one property i remember everything was perfect the windows were a little old so the guy's been so good and he's like, if you don't raise my rent, you're like, I'll sign a two-year lease with you. So I'm like, you know, guy's so good. It's an area where it could take a little bit of time to rent. It's a little off the beaten path. Okay. And the guy loves it because his mother lives down the block. And I said, you know what? I said, what do you need in the house? You need anything? He goes, well, the windows are a little old. There's eight windows. I said, you know what I'm doing? What's the two worst ones? He told me, I changed those two windows. Next year, I'll change another two. The next yeah. year, I'll change another two. Yep. Just, I don't have to change them, but give back to your tenants and, you know, that's how you live the passive lifestyle that I wanted to live. You could be a, an ass to your, to your tenants and you can like nickel and dime them from everything they have and they'll turn around, they'll move out and you gotta put, you gotta waste three months cause you gotta fix the property for a month, put it up for rent for a month. Then they sometimes have to get 30, 60 days notice. So you figure three months, yeah. plus you, most people are putting five to $8,000 in the property. So that's another like five months of rent. So you just wasted a year's of rent worth of rent and you could have avoided that by putting two windows in for 250 bucks each, $500 a year and taking care of your tenants. No, I agree. Yeah, that's smart. So um, I do want to talk about team building because I, I feel like with where you're at in life, obviously with how many projects you've done and been a part of, um, I feel like you, you obviously mastered the whole aspect of team building. But before we jump into team building, I was wondering if you could give like, uh, just a quick breakdown for any newbies out there that might be interested on understanding how to um, run the numbers on a deal and to be able to understand, you know, what, um, what the numbers look like. I know you also have um, a, a video that you can share possibly uh, later with us with yeah. you breaking down numbers. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, I'll, I'll, I have, cause like I said, we have a couple training courses but we wanted to give something back for free. Um, so what I did is I took one of my best whiteboard trainings that I did for a property management company out in Alabama. 
and I blew them away. And some people might've seen it on YouTube, but I said, this is the perfect video to give to people because I probably get hit up 30 plus times a month. Hey, can you send me that whiteboard training you did? I can't yeah. find it. So what well does, I'll share the link with you and somebody can just, you know, for free, there's no charge. Okay. I just wanted to give something back a content. I, you know, I didn't write a book yet. I've been asked for so many years to write a book. Just haven't had the time. And, and, and uh, I know a book is a great thing to do to validate who you are. I guess my ego doesn't need it. Um, yeah. But I just don't have the time. Yeah. I would love, love to do that stuff. And I think it's great to do. And it's a goal of mine to get the book done. But so I'll give you the link um, so you can put down there. In fact, you know what? I see you here. Watch. Let me. This link might be changing soon. But let me just put it. I'm actually going to put it in, in your Facebook Live here. You can grab it because I see you here. Yeah. Um, I actually have a little self-plug right now. I got my uh, first book coming out. Called yeah, Action. look at you. Yeah, super excited about it. It's basically going to just be um, getting people to know me a little bit more as well as understanding, you know, what I do on a daily basis to take action because I, I, I feel like so many people slack in that, in that category of actually taking action and, um, and then beat themselves up over time or live with regret. So I, I feel like, you know, I'm not an expert when it comes to taking action or, or anything, but I have been known for, for, um, you know, implementing things and moving quick. Um, That's awesome. I love it. Um, when I speak at, because I've done some, I'm doing more and more keynote speaking. Instead yeah. of In fact, we have a podcast that will eventually come out. It's already done. Sick. It's called Passive to Prosperous. And I'm just recording some videos now. Once I get enough videos, we're going to start launching them. I have a marketing company handling that for me. Cool. Uh, but one of the things I speak about when I keynote speak, and I love speaking about for a half hour, hour on stage, is, you know, getting past your fears, getting started, uh, taking action. Um, a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people teaching this business out there. What I have going for me is I do it pretty much different than everybody else in the business. And, and I say that because I'm the one guy that does what I do. I take it from part A to part Z. I'm mm -hmm. not there to just tell you to flip, rentals. No, I don't just teach notes. I don't just teach wholesaling. I take it from A to Z and how to's with all my documentation. So, but what I love most and what I speak about as a keynote now at events is taking action, how to get past your fears, um, all the roadblocks that you might face. Yeah. Cause everyone comes to me and they're like, Hey, I, I love what you say. I, I, you know, and I think I just sent you one of my last testimonials we got yesterday from a, a student of ours. Okay. I love, cool. I love what you do. Um, but I don't know how to raise money. I don't know how to do this. So they put that fear in their head or they talk to their friends or their family. Yeah, and their friends. They're like, you can't do this. You know, you have no money. Um, yeah. And if you learn where I came from, what I did, I mean, I should have been a statistic. So, and it's not, and I don't say it to impress you. I say it to press upon you. Yeah. Um, that it could be done. And if you do what I follow, what I say, you, there's no way to fail unless you don't do what I say. Yeah. So I love that you took action. I haven't taken action on the book yet. Because why I keep putting that I don't have the time. Well, you know what? Maybe it doesn't take much time. And I know people say, "Well, you can ghostwrite," but that doesn't sound personal to me. Yeah. So um, no, it isn't. I, I wouldn't recommend ghostwriting either. Um, you know, my my one of my mentors actually just encouraged me to do it because I had the same mindset, or I had the mindset of when he told me, you know, he heard my story of you know just just my life a little bit and. He, he was blown away and he was like, dude, you need to, you need to put out a book and you need to have people actually hear this because it's going to be able to help people. And 
Uh, reverse this a little bit on another podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you on to, and I don't do this. I don't bring people onto my podcast. My podcast is basically us speaking. It's not how tos, but I don't know your story, Brandon. But I want to hear it off the record here. And uh, you know, if it blows me away, like yeah. I think it will be, I'm already watching what you're doing. You're a young guy. I don't know how old you are. You're probably in your young younger twenties. Oh, you're older twenties, damn! Yeah. <laughs> I'm falling apart, bro. <laughs> oh, you look like sunny San Diego, brother. Don't screw with I me. Know. It makes I me young. I was out there for three years when I was in the Navy. I love it out there. Oh yeah, um, beautiful. M- another mistake I made. Way I listen better than New Jersey. Let me tell I you. Listen- <laughs> I listened to my wife. Wait, worst mistake. That's the one regret I ever have is moving back from California. The yeah. happiest I've ever been. Um, and and now I have kids, and I'm not going to leave where my kids are. Of course. So, you know, being around your family is huge for me. Um, being that I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a lifestyle where I didn't have the whole family atmosphere that I wanted. So, but you're out there, stay out there. Don't ever leave because you'll yeah. never come back. I'm telling you. I know. <laughs> but I, know. I, I, you know, you're very, you're very one up me, brother. You've already written the book that I haven't written yet. So I, I look up to you for that um, because <laughs> I've done nothing but make excuses of why I can't do it. And it's funny because when people, I'm a hypocrite a little bit because when people make excuses to me, like I can't do this because I don't have time. I'm like, dude, you got, you could be up at seven, eight, nine, ten. When I started this business, I just told you I was working a hundred plus hours a week. Yeah. My family would take me on a vacation to the furthest point of the outer banks in North Carolina because I didn't have cell phone or internet service. Yeah. I was miserable. You take an entrepreneur away on vacation, they're miserable. (laughs) Their heads are like this, right? They always want to do something. Like they can't, I can't shut off. Yeah, my girlfriend wants to kill me every time like I get in that stage just because I can't I can't stop thinking. I'm like I need to I need to be able to keep moving. The cool thing about this business too, you just said about your girlfriend. My wife has said to me, she's like, Can't we have a go somewhere and you just not use it as a damn tax write off? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. I was like, We gotta stop buying we gotta stop buying some property just in the Caribbean so we have a reason to go there. She's like, We just have a go. Like we're going to Aruba next month, but she's like, "Can't we just go away and just go away?" Can't find one that does a tax write-off. Yeah. I'm like, "Well, that's what the tax law is, at. and that's, that's right. That's what I'm saying. These guys for <laughs> back to the back to the whole becoming an expert, right? Yeah. I, as crazy as it sounds, and uh, she's probably not on here. But there's there's a girl in the note business that we set up one night, me, her, and two other note guys till four in the morning talking about tax code. Yeah. I mean, it was it was like. I, when I was young, I used to go to bars and drink and have a good time party. Like, talk about tax code and how you can use that to your advantage as a real estate investor or an entrepreneur, an or, total entrepreneur. I mean, like, tell people you could pay your kids $6,300 a year tax-free and have them invest in real estate. That one $6,300, you could turn it into a full college education yeah. or whatever it is that they want to do when they're older. I mean, people's minds are blown. How do you do that? It's crazy. You, you, can, you can do it with, uh, you know, if you have pets as well. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. All the oh, things that you do. Security, you know? A hundred percent. And just learning, like learning the insides and outs. And I fight with my accountant all the time. And he tells me, you can't do this. You can't do that. Oh, you got to be careful. I'm like, it's tax code. It's right here. Yeah. Read it. Read you have it. to educate them then. It, it gets a little crazy. I know. What you mean. You wanna, if you become the expert, even though you're not a CPA or an attorney, yeah. if you become the expert in your field, yeah. learn everything. You know, if you want to raise money, learn everything there is to learn about self-directed IRAs, solo 401ks covered Dell accounts, health savings accounts. Now these new banking become the bank uh, insurance. I don't know enough about the insurance side. I have a couple friends that do it. I don't know how I feel either way about it because I don't understand it, but learn it, you know, learn that field because people are using their insurance, life insurance to invest in, you know, become the bank, bank their own deals. 
Yeah. So learn the positives, learn the negatives. That's why I don't push you because I don't understand the negatives yet. But become the expert in your field and you'll become the go-to guy. So now if, hey, if I just left my job and I have a 401k for a half a million dollars and you're the expert on what to do with that 401k, not mm-hmm. just invest in real estate, how do I take that money out without getting taxed? How do I take the money out without having a penalty? How do I plan to pay for my kid's college education? Am I going to use a 529 plan that's probably never, you know, I don't want to say, it's probably never going to get them there. You're never going to save enough money to truly pay for college education. Yeah. Okay. How much do you think you're going to make on a 529 plan? Even if you made yourself 6%, 8%, which every single year consistently, nonstop, is it going to get you there? Maybe, yeah. maybe not. I don't want to talk bad about that, but become the expert. Start being able to show them what you can do, the type of deals they can go. Because they can actually, they don't even have to be a lender. They can joint venture with you. They can become your equity partner. For sure. You, know, you put up money, they put up, so you put up 10000 they they put up 10000 with, you know, two of their kids' uh, uh, Coverdell accounts, okay? They put your partner in a deal, you buy a deal, you fix it, you sell it. You both, you made $50,000, they get 25000 you get 25000 you know, you can't do too many flips a year because then you have an issue with your IRA. But you do that, it's not hard to pay for college. Yeah. If, if that's the route they choose to go. Okay. I have people like, oh, they shouldn't go to college because they don't learn anything. Whatever it is, you pay for whatever you want to pay. Yeah, or yeah. start a retirement plan early. Yeah, if you can start it, I mean, especially when you're just having a kid or whatever the situation may yeah. be, you know, you could really set them up for by the time they're 18. I mean, it's really endless what you could actually do for them. A hundred percent. I mean, you literally pay my, like you have a, a Brandon Elliott show, right? Eventually you might have kids. People are like, well, you can't pay a baby that much because they can't work. Well, yeah. you stop a picture of your baby up there. You could pay him a modeling for your $6,300. Damn right. I'll All put right, him so in the intro know. of the, of the podcast. It'll be perfect. Hey, work with my daddy and let him show you how to build a real estate empire. Exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I love it. I'm going to use it. I'm not going to have kids for a few more years, but, but I like that. <laughs> That's another statement for you. You're going to use, you, you yeah. just said that. Um, my grandpa used to say you plan and God laughs. So be careful. Oh shit. <laughs> I'm going to pray <laughs> after this. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Okay. Well, um, as far as breaking down the numbers, so basically we, you, you put out the uh, content for people to really get the, the best of the best um, that's already recorded. Take some time as well. So, so uh, check out everybody. Check out the the link that's uh, going to be in the podcast and on Facebook as well. Yeah, and after that's the free. I'll break down my numbers and it'll kind of run you through quickly how I do. Take everything from a from a note foreclose on to a turnkey rental. Take that yep. turnkey rental, sell it to an investor, recoup all my money, and you'll enjoy it. Yeah, of course. Short, short little video that you'll enjoy and it's free. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. My pleasure. Um, also, let's let's jump into team building. Uh-huh. Now, what does that look like for you? How did how do you pick the right people, and how do you actually paint the vision into them to to align? You know, what what you're focusing on? That's a good question. I actually wish I had some of my team on this call to even tell you, so they can yeah. tell you what I do. But um, what I it's a great question. What I do is when I build a team, I actually get out to that market, and that's what I did with that training last year. I get out to that market. Um, so many people I meet with are property managers, and I'm usually meeting with at least two to three property managers minimum in the market. Um, your property manager, that's usually my first meeting. My property managers are going to give you everything you really need to know, from who the contractors you should use are, what the areas are like, how much rent you're going to get, what jobs are out there. Um, you're going to do things like go to a chamber of commerce meeting. You're going to go to economic development court meeting. 
You're going to go to the local RIA group meetings, the meetups out there. You're going to try to plan to be there about three days when you go to a new, if you're going to a brand new market, you want to sit down with other investors, talk with them. You want to probably talk to the banks there. You want to drive the area and see what's going on. Look at the permits being pulled in an area. Um, that's how you really, and it's really more combust, a lot more combust than that, but that's a whole emerging market training. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I set up my teams. Now when I'm in there, I set up my teams with property managers, realtors, okay, contractors, okay, and boots on the ground. Yeah. And I'll meet with all those people. And when I talk to them, they understand that I'm coming in there and I'm not doing one deal. They also understand that I'm not going to ask them to work for free, okay? So when I talk to a realtor, I say, I understand you're a realtor. I understand what you're doing. They're usually investor-friendly. They're referred to me. Um, but what I tell them, I said, listen, every deal you're not going to make money on because it just every deal doesn't work. When I'm evaluating a note or a lien or an REO from a bank, I don't know if I'm going to close on a deal, okay? But in the beginning, what I do is I always make sure I take care of them. So whether it's sending them a gift card, whether it's sending them $50 per property, to take care of them, to go by. I want to drive by on every property. I don't ever invest in property unless somebody I know goes by and takes a picture of it. Before you get a realtor, you can use companies like uh, We Go Look. Um, we Go Look. Yeah, We Go Look. They'll go by. I think they're about $65. They'll do snap some pictures for you. They'll send them to you. Um, I'd rather have somebody I work with because they know what I'm looking for. You can train them. Okay, so you have to set those expectations. Yeah. Well, I want to train those people to say, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you, if the property looks vacant, get up in that window and try to take a picture for me. Yeah. I've, had, I've had my own realtors break, <laughs> let themselves into properties that were open. Um, I, I get as much info as I can get and they understand. Now, if they, I turn around and they buy this property and then I don't flip it or sell it, no, I rehab it and sell it with them, they technically don't have money, but I pay them a marketing fee. I'll pay them for their services and you're allowed to do that. Yeah. So I'll have them help me out as an assistant and I'll pay them. I don't just ask people to work for free, free, free and not get anything out of it. So a lot of times your property manager will do all this stuff for you because they know that ultimately they're getting this property as a rental. Even if you sell it to an investor, I'm not selling to owner actors, but I'm selling to an investor, that my investor only wants to buy my properties. Why? They're pure turnkey. They're rehabbed already. They're rented, rented now or will be rented in a couple of months and they're with a professional property manager that I trust. So the property manager is going to do a lot with me. In the beginning, I try to split up. If I like three property managers a lot, I'll give each one a couple properties and I'll kind of build my all-star team. Yeah. That's how I do it. And I always, you know, like I'm, I'm flying out to Ohio next week. I'll meet with some of my team out there. Okay. Um, I go out to Memphis. I'll do events. I was in Memphis, I don't know, in the fall. I took one of, I took that guy, Matt, I took a, a, a student with me that yeah. we showed how, to, how I do in that area. We did a little like meetup in his office, like a VIP meetup. I brought my attorney in. I brought my property manager in. I brought yeah. my contractor in. And I invited some investors into that area, into a closed room meetup, high level meetup that we actually got up and we trained people for free. That we get, we usually get paid to speak. We train people for free on that. That's so, awesome. so that's how you do it. You know, you're you're in the, you're in the Ohio market, wherever you're at. Go out there, invite people in that vicinity in. Maybe bring some of your potential investors in there. Have them meet your team. You know? Yeah. Um, what What I've done is, uh, you know, I, I really, I realize when I'm looking for my own help and, and going about it that way, it typically doesn't turn out too successful. So now I'm really relying on strictly uh, referrals of people that I do know and trust. But well, I, 
I'm also jumping into, um, because it, it is in a university area, Catholic university. So, uh, I'm starting to take advantage of making it a win-win situation with s- some of the students. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy when they need some cash in their pocket and you know, they're willing to put in some work, then it really is awesome because they end up getting a bunch of their friends involved as well. And then I really just, you know, I give them a little task at a time and then over time, uh, it turns into something, you know, bigger and better. So it's really so cool. You have students. Uh, what do you think it would take us? What, what, what do you think it would do for a student to say, hey, dude, I'm going to pay you 50 bucks to go by and drive by these 10 properties today? Take yeah. So that's your we go look. I wouldn't use a we go look. I would use the students. If you have the students to do it, have yeah. them do it. You want somebody, you, you don't want third-party companies. Um, I'm anti-third-party companies. Like they have nationwide BPO companies out there. For but sure. I know it's probably a realtor that's new that's sitting behind a desk that really doesn't know what they're doing, just pulling some crap up on the MLS that I could pull up myself and look at it. I want somebody that knows me, that I trust, that they know I'm what I'm going to ask for, and they know I'm going to beat the crap <laughs> out of them if they don't get me what I want. Um, and, and I'm telling you, I learned my lesson with this. I bought a note in the past, and a BPO company gave me a value. We closed on a note. I actually well, I learned at that point. I got out there. There was no house there. The house had burned down. No shit. Yeah, I learned. I learned my lesson. So that's why I get calls all the time. Like I'm speaking at, I'll be at a single family rental uh, event in Miami. I'm speaking at in, this month in a couple of weeks. Mm. I'll have six, seven BPO companies come on up to me asking me for my business. And I tell every one of them, just, I'm never going to use you. I, if I buy a property in an area, I'm picking up a phone, I'm calling an actual property manager or realtor or somebody I know. I know somebody investor in that area and I'm going to say, hey, can you help me out? Go buy this property, take pictures for me. I'll take care of you. And if, if I don't use them for business because I can't, I'll send them a gift card. I'll send them a check, whatever it might be. I just appreciate their time and I don't, I don't waste their time. Of and course. I'm honest with them. I don't promise them the move. But um, that's how you build your team. And like you said, you have, a, you have an end because you have all these students. Uh, any property you get, I'd have them go look at. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've, I've actually, um, I, I've used some of the students to actually show some of the housing as well. Um, just because it, it, it makes it makes it so much uh, more convenient, easy. They have a little bit of time on their hands if they're not in class. And then it's just a win-win in comparison to, you know, paying my, my property manager, um, you know, 35 bucks an hour. So yeah, it's exactly. a little... Yeah, the student will do a hell of a job for you. Yeah, exactly. And you want the next deal. And to them, to ride by five, five, couple properties, snap some pictures. You can tell them, hey, every property you ride by, I give you $20. Snap, snap, I want front, back, side. You know, if somebody's there living there, you can't do all that, but get what you can get. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Cool. Um, if you don't mind, really quickly, uh, you know, uh, have you done direct mail marketing or I, I know at your status right now, I'm sure Lee's just coming to you like crazy, but, uh, how, how are you for the most part going about getting your leads? Well, yes, I did direct mail marketing in the past, a lot of it. Um, but now I get my leads. I deal direct. When I say direct, I go direct to the banks, the asset managers, okay. to, the lean, to the lean attorneys, to probate attorneys, to, um, y- Direct mail works. You have to be laser focused on direct mail. And here's what I'll tell you about direct mail because I know a lot of people getting in the business and I want to keep this really for your audience for the most part, it's a lot of newer investors. Yeah. Um, whatever your budget is on direct mail, you need to really spread it out. So if you have, let's say $5,000 and that's all you have, you don't want to blow $5,000 in one mail. 
What you yeah. want to do is you want to spread this out. You want to be consistent every week and you want to mail the same person about six different times and six different either letters or postcards. Um, that's really how you want to do direct mail. And if you need to get into this and you really want to get into this business and do it right for less money, um, you have for sale by owner, you have Zillow, you have uh, realtor.com, you have driving for dollars is how I, I used to be the driving for dollars guy in this area. Everyone knew me as the driving for dollars guy. I would drive and I would take my kids in the car. They would, they would actually with their phone, they would snap photos. At the one point I got, I had the portable printer in my car. In fact, I still have it behind me right now. Yeah, pick yeah. it up and show you guys. I have, the print, I have a portable printer. I used to have that in my car and print out the picture and put it right on there. I write in a FedEx envelope or a USPS envelope, which is free. You can go right online. United States Postal Service will send you a box of these eight and a half by 11 cardboard envelopes. Yep. You stick those in one somebody's door. They're opening it. Better than any letter you have. Oh. That's the biggest golden nugget I can give you today. Um, so you put those envelopes in there. Hold on a second. Yeah. These are the envelopes. These are the envelopes like this. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're free. Yeah. You get them. You put it. You print out a little letter. Stick it right in their door. They're gonna call you up. They might curse you out. Be ready for that. And don't worry about it's it. It's okay. But driving for dollars was the best I've ever done. Driving for dollars, and and then um, calling, picking up the phone and calling people. Yeah. Right. That's that's so much better than direct mail. So and it's free. Yeah. Okay. I'm actually just about to jump into direct mail marketing out here. So, um, you and, you and everybody else and, uh, yeah, ah, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't, let me know how it goes out there. I just don't know how it's going to work in that market. It's probably gonna yeah. be very expensive. Um, your returns, if they're 1%, they're probably going to be a lot. Yeah. So everybody and their mother is out there doing that. So I like to do things a little different. Like I said, how I invest, I do it a little different than everyone else. So that's why I think ours is, I know nobody does what I do complete A to Z seller financing, selling partials, getting all your money back, recouping. Nobody does what we do with the partials and the seller financing notes yeah. from, from, from start to finish. I like to keep it a little different than everyone else. Um, and the other thing is when I hold the note, I hold the gold. So if I want to get my money, I could, just, I could go online right now and say, I'm selling my note and collect money instantly for it. People yeah. buy my note all day long. So I would, you know, I would definitely recommend the two best things to do right now is probably driving for dollars and picking up the phone and calling Getting just hey, this is this is Brandon, and I see you you have a property at one two three Main Street. Just want to see if you were you know you you are selling. You knew anybody in that area selling? We're looking at we're cash buyers. We're looking to buy properties, and yeah. you can do those over and over again. Now you can they have companies that do them for you. I don't know how they are or aren't. I never used companies, but I did it myself, and I I, I think my numbers were about five to seven percent return on those on those calls. Okay, so, and mailings, but it takes a little bit more time. If you could train somebody to do it, that would help. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do a campaign for at least 6 months and then uh kind of just look at the numbers afterwards, see how that works out. More. I mean, but but break it up, you know, that's what I said. If you do 6 months, break it up and just hit every week, make sure you send out a certain amount, 200 to 500, whatever it is, however yeah. your budget is, break it up. A lot of people get in this and they they only have 2 or 3,000 dollars and they blow it in one spot in one month and they're done. They have no money because they didn't get a deal yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be focusing on like a, a smaller uh, farm area pretty much. And um, basically uh, I'm going to put a budget to a thousand to 2000 bucks per month. Um, and then just go pretty hard over the next couple months until, till they, till they go for it or, or they don't. <laughs> and then once you get those phone calls, you have to, you have to learn how to really handle those phone calls that come in. 
The other thing a lot of people, uh, mistakes they made is they use like an answering service of Google Voice and they don't answer those calls. Yep. Uh, I did that, learned my lesson that, you know, I would try to call people back. Inevitably, I would hardly get anybody back on the phone. Or if they're, when they're ready to sell, they're calling you, but they also have 10 other numbers lined up to call. For you sure. need to be on that phone. Somebody needs to be on the phone answering the call right away. Yeah. I know you're busy, so if you're not, you can use other services. Um, that like call rail or something like that, or, or, yeah, or one of them that bounces from you to somebody else. But one thing you want to do is you're spending all this money, one to two thousand dollars a month. It's not a low amount of money, even for you. You want to make sure those calls are being answered because uh, the worst thing that happens is people send them a voicemail, listen to them, and then maybe call them back. If you're going to put the money in, put the time in to, to answer those calls. I learned my lesson with that as well. That was a mistake I made. I changed it pretty quick, and my business turned around back like seven, eight years ago when I started doing. When I, when I was doing a lot of those uh, flips. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm excited for it though. Well, I don't want to take up uh, too much of your time. I'm definitely, you know, you, you've put out a lot of great nuggets out here. So I'm super uh, blessed and thankful for you. Oh, my um, my is there, you know, how can, how can people actually reach out to you? And I'm also curious, you know, what does the future actually hold for you right now? Like what are, what are the game plans or goals that you have this year? Uh, for this year, like I said, uh, we we're doing the development deal. It's probably yeah. the biggest start to finish development deal I've ever done. Yeah. So I'm doing that with two partners of mine um, cool. and, and people that are very experienced. So that's a big thing for me. I'm looking forward to that. Um, we're also in the middle of uh, taking down huge pools of assets in the Ohio market, mostly Dayton, and then it'll be back in Cleveland. We're back and forth. It just okay. depends what comes on the books and what forecloses at the time. So we're looking to work with some large companies on that. We're raising a lot of money for that, that kind of stuff and to help our turnkey investors acquire more properties, quality properties. So that's what we're, what's on the books for us over the next, over the next few months. Uh, personally, I have some speaking engagements uh, more on the keynote side. Um, a little bit of training we're doing. Um, I'm running this campaign. That campaign is going to run in November. So I'm out there raising money for that on campaigning. I'm really, I really want to make the change for that Dodd-Frank and state taxes and you know safety and stuff like that. So that's really what's on the horizon for me over the, you know, the next couple months. And finally, again, my podcast up and you know, recorded. I need to have a certain amount of episodes recorded before I can launch it. Uh, we already have, I'm not doing it. I just, all I have to do is record the episode. But once again, time is, uh, time is not my friend right now with everything yeah. I have going on. Um, but thankfully I'm not out there, you know, flipping 30 to 40 properties at a time anymore. Mm. So that's really what we have going on right now. Um, the other thing is, uh, we, we did, we will start, uh, we have the ability to bring in a lot of deals in Delaware. So being that I don't want to take them on and flip them. Uh, we're going to put people in place in the Delaware market to actually work with us as acquisition managers. Okay. And we're probably going to want to just wholesale those deals off just because I don't have the time to do them. So sick. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Cool. So how can people reach out to you? Sure. Uh, they can go right on Facebook. They can go to either Dan Zatowski and message me or they can go to, uh, Dan at Zatowski capital management and email me. So it's Dan at Z Z is in zebra. I T O F as a Frank, S as a Sam, K-Y, capitalmanagement.com. So they can go there. They can check it out. If they want to see uh, our, our full course, they can go to uh, passivewealthacademy.com, and that's where our full course is going to be, our training is going to be. Okay. But uh, if, they, if they're interested in anything else, uh, they can message me on Facebook 
or email me, give me, you know, sometimes 24 hours to get back to you. I'm usually pretty quick. So I can give you all my, you have my contact info, feel, feel free to share it out over there. Okay. Not, my, not my phone number, please, because yeah, yeah. unfortunately I just don't answer a lot of the calls that come in because I'm on the phone a lot. And uh, I usually set a schedule, you know, just to make sure I can give the time needed to, to whoever I'm speaking to. But uh, I'd love to help people out. My, you know, my passion is truly giving out content to people. Yes. And that's why we put the online training out because a lot of people, unfortunately, couldn't afford one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, which yeah. I understand. And secondly, I could only take on a certain amount of people because when I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, I literally give them 24-7 if they need it. I mean, and that's why I only take on up to eight a year um, because I, I, literally, I lose money on doing my coaching because I can spend my time. Obviously, you know how much your time is worth. I can yeah. spend my time making a lot more money than, than coaching somebody. So that's why we only people ask why do you only why do you not take on everybody and that's the reason why is because we're only going to take on uh, people that we know that we can help we're not in this just to make money because For we sure. actually you, I mean you definitely want to get results with the people that you're spending the time with so right. and, and you're not you're not playing the numbers game of just charging some high outrageous um, type of price to for you know half decent content um, just because you know a lot of people won't you know, succeed and take advantage of it. You're actually doing it the correct way. So I definitely commend you. Thank you. Um, anybody that is slightly interested in checking out his content. I, I mean, I got the privilege to see a little sneak peek of it. So I highly encourage you guys. It is well, well, well undervalue um, when it comes down to the price, the, the value that you'll get for content is unbelievable. So I mean, we just, um, like I said, um, I think we we're talking about this before we just raised the price a little bit. Yeah. Um, and probably in 90 days, we're probably going to raise it again. Um, we just didn't want to take it to where we're supposed to be at right now, but we did pull out, we did pull out one piece of the course on how to raise money. We actually love that a little bit mm -hmm. just because some people just want to know how to raise money. So we did that, but our full course, I mean, literally we give everything away. There's no, there's no upsells. There's nothing we hold back. No papers. We hold back. No presentations. Yeah. Um, that's why we were told it's way undervalued for what's what we're giving. Um, and it actually, we were told by some experts in the industry that sell online courses that um, we're not going to be taken serious unless we raise that value way up. And I fought them a little bit and I just did an incremental raise at this point for the next three months and then I'll, I'll raise it again. Yeah, uh, It's been flying off the shelves over the last uh, couple months, especially since we had our marketing company get out there what we do. So uh, I appreciate that. And like I said, I, I'm not in this as to be a guru, if I'm going to give away stuff and people are going to pay money, my only dream is for them to be successful because I love posting their videos. Yep. Uh, video testimonials are great. What, what I do with those is when I post them, um, it helps them out. It helps their business out because people, their investors, or people that want to rate, uh, invest money with them, it actually shows that they invested in becoming the best they could be in their business and protecting them and how to do all the paperwork and do a deal the right way that it actually helps them raise money. So that's what I do for the, that's what I do for them. And I love seeing the video testimonials. It makes me love what I'm doing. Cause if I don't love it, I'm not going to do it. It's not about the money for us. It's just, we want to make sure we're helping people out with content. We can get them onto that level. They want to be at. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. Cool. Well, I appreciate you brother. Um, thank you so much for joining guys. If, um, so if, if you want any of, you know, his contact information, reach out to me and uh, we'll see if it's a good fit and you know, you guys can connect. Otherwise, um, you can reach me at brandonelliotinvestments.com or shoot me an email at brandonelliotinvestments at gmail.com. Um, Till next time, guys.
super excited for this one. I can't wait till you guys get to see, you know, the, the content here. Uh, do me a favor, like it, share it, get it out to other people that are interested in learning real estate investing. Um, you know, this, this is none other than definitely one of the best right here. So Dan, I, I truly appreciate your time and uh, super excited to see, you know, where your future is actually going from here on. It's going to be outrageous. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate being on and uh, everything you're doing. Keep it up. And we'll talk. I want to talk to you too, because I want to hear about your story and maybe we'll get you on our, our podcast as well. Cool. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, guys, you've been listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Till next time, thank you guys all so much. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.